Okay, welcome to the Gary House. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Podcast. Today we have got Mr. Chris King with us and Chris is someone I've known for a good few years now in the running world after we first got talking I think uh, I think he got in touch with me on the back of a few of my videos and he called me (laughs) for a chat uh, mid video I was shooting one of the videos in the forest and I was dancing around like a prat and he called me so (laughs) we had um yeah, we had a good chat. We've been friends ever since, and I've been lucky enough to spend some time with him and his Beyond the Ultimate team out in Noidart for the Highland Ultra. Beyond the Ultimate run, like some amazing multi-day events across the world. He's going to speak to us about that. Also, more recently, they've taken on the Spine Race, which if you are a ultra runner or I guess just a runner, you will have probably run- heard of the Spine Race now. A um, bit, bit about the history of how they've taken it on and where they're looking to go with that. But he's much more than just a race director and owner of those races. He's a new family man. He's taken on a massive challenge himself, which he's going to tell you about. And he's also been there and done it. He's uh, a great ultra runner in his own right. So when it comes to whether it's coaching or whether it's racing, whether it's extreme environments or just running a business yeah Chris is a very interesting guy and um, yeah I was really grateful that you could spend an hour with us on one of the first podcasts for uh, the Gary House podcast okay that's a lot of podcasts (laughs) all Chris's info and links will be um, in the usual place not sure where that is just yet because I'm new to this still again (laughs) but They will be there. And if you've got any questions for Chris, his uh, social media is Chris underscore Kingy on Instagram. But yeah, without further ado, I guess, here is Chris King on the Gary House podcast. Chris King today, expedition leader, ultra runner, storyteller, owner of Beyond the Ultimate and the Spine Race, trustee of the Big Moose Charity, and I know he's got a young family now too. 
I want to know why haven't you stopped running? Uh, well, I did for a while, <laughs> but uh, I am I am back running regularly. So okay, um, maybe maybe because I need it. I'm a stupid adult that needs stupid things to deal with their stupid mental health. It's probably the <laughs> best way to to do it. I um yeah, I didn't I didn't run for a long time. I kind of even though I work in the running industry, I kind of um dipped out bit of burnout whatever whatever it may have been uh just felt like i needed some time off and then yeah, just got back to running again relatively consistently and and stuff now so yeah it's definitely without sounding too cliche it's probably just because it just makes me a bit of a nicer person to be around mainly if i'm not running i'm quite a horrible person yeah <laughs> how long have you been running Um, so I started back in 2012, probably with some, with, with any sort of, uh, consistency. I, I, I ran 2012 to 2014. I would probably class myself more as a club runner. I was like running for 5k times and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, 2014 onwards, I'd started getting into ultras and, and becoming a proper runner um if you could call it that and then yeah i did that and 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 did it i was okay i did uh pretty pretty well until about 2018 19 and then i'd say the last two three years has just been you know i've been focusing on business and family and and all those kind of being in the trenches i think they call it um and uh yeah so quite a while nearly what is that nearly 10 years i suppose yeah yeah not not as long as me actually. I thought you might be about the same. <laughs> the um... well, I've always I've, I've been dabbling, but I wouldn't I wouldn't I'd I'd been dabbling running. I'd, I've always played sports, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said that I went out for a training run no. until like 2014. I think that that's when it counts, isn't it? When you go out for running to train to get better at running, I think that's that's probably 2014. I was I was knocking around early 2012s trying to do 5k's but not really caring if i was fast or not and like you say now running is your business or evolve or your business evolves around running yeah do you find that um do you find that that's why you maybe not fell out of love of running but is did that add into the fact that why you had a period of not running because i only asked that because when uh, i started yeah. out running was yeah it was all about getting better and kind of improving I found it as a real help in life it was only when yeah the business became more of a <laughs> um priority I guess so I was a runner that was coaching a bit and now I'm definitely a coach that runs when I can race wise I still train every day but I can't just go off every weekend and I can't have weeks off now all the time and with the kids, it's definitely business first, then kind of races and things like that. Was it the same for you? Yeah, I, I think it does. It, it did. It, it did sometimes feel like a busman's holiday, you know, like you, you use running to escape from stuff. But when you're trying to escape from running and you're running, it didn't really it didn't really add up. But I, I think the biggest reason was that um, 
it was just without sounding too hippie i was just doing a bit of soul searching i was running for all the wrong reasons i was running um i think a lot of people are probably guilty of this i was setting myself like a big thing to do a big goal and, and, and obsessing over it and then not running because i loved running i was just running because i wanted to achieve that goal and it was strange for me to hang out with people like adam kimball who loved running and would you know like we'd go on a long flight together and the first thing he'd do is get his daps on and go for a run and i'd be like no mate i'm in the bar um and it kind of made me like in in this time period it's allowed me to reflect and change my reasons for running and now i can say for the first time actually properly i'm irony because i've said you know i've kind of fessed up to something i'm doing over the next couple of years but i'm in a place now where i'm running because i love it i go out for a run because i want to with no particular aim or goal or whatever and and that's what i was kind of waiting for i was waiting for that kind of aha moment and i think i've only really hit that in the last year um so yeah, I'm in I'm in a really good spot with my running. I think at the minute I'm I'm getting my shoes. I'm itching to run, which is always good. It helps, um, and I'm I'm now running for the right reasons. So it's uh, yeah, I'm in a better spot. And you live in France, right? So it's nice weather. <laughs> Pretty much so. Yeah, I sit. I say uh, as well. <laughs> I've. Uh, yeah, it is. I said that like when when I moved down from Leeds to here, down in Paul, I. I it, it is just detached from everywhere. This place it's mad. Uh, it's two hours from anywhere, um, and I'm actually probably I am close. I can get to Paris quicker than I can Leeds now, yeah. um, which is a madness. But yeah, it is France. I reckon. Um, yeah, for the first when I first started getting to know you properly, and I'd be seeing your Instagram stories, be like, oh, Chris is on all day again. <laughs> like, but no, he's just on the beach, basically where you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you know the 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 funny thing is is that um it is a beautiful place to run here um you know i can pop on the chain ferry i'm on the purbex and um or i can run on the beach and it's it is a beautiful spot it's different though i used to i when i started to run and really enjoyed running um i i, I lived in the pennines so i was in this amazing spot for running like right on my doorstep i had tro- probably quite similar to where you are now where you live you know you've just got hills in any direction and trails in any direction and I actually took that for granted I think because then when I moved to here I'm actually in quite a big residentially built up area I've got to run for a couple of k before I get to a trail mm. um, and uh, yeah it's it is it is different but it's good it's good and and the fact that I've got so much good running a car you know 10-15 minute car journey in any direction well maybe not south that'd be rubbish running um but i can go in a i can go in a car journey east west or north and, and hit some good trails yeah good and i already know your plans for the end of the year uh which is does mm. do people know are people allowed to know yeah I, I think so well i've just announced it this morning haven't i so just not I, I should have saved it for a couple of hours you could have had it as an exclusive well i meant so. more the um in january <laughs> but not the... uh no i <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, I think um, I, I think my my all of my plans now, personal plans, are, are kind of revolving around um, learning the southwest coast path. So I've booked on for a couple of races. I'm I'm doing uh, the two Mud Crew events. I'm doing the one in August. It's like a 50k, 
No, it's not. It's 100K. 100K. I should probably know, shouldn't I? It's been a while since I've booked. Um, yeah, 100K um, race down on the on the coast there, which is a particular section that I've never seen. And then uh, the Arc of Attrition in January, which is um, quite a meaty race, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, they're the, they're the two kind of instant things on the horizon. And the whole, the whole reason for me booking onto those is just to learn bits of the southwest coast path that I didn't or haven't been to. Uh, with a larger goal to try and run that whole trail quite quickly. And when you've been in races in the past, because I know you haven't been in that many races in the last few years, how competitive were you in these races? And are you daunted by coming back uh, to them? It's always it's always the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm always the same. I always turn up saying I'm not going to be competitive, and then the the thing goes, and then I then I go. <laughs> Um, I, I think I've got to be realistic with my performance for January. I've had a long time off and if I was at the at the fittest I've been, I'd be hopeful for like a top 20. I, I don't think you can even, unless you've been doing races regularly, I don't think you can turn up to a race like the Arc of Attrition and just a, a, expect to appear in the top 10 or 20. It seems like it's quite a stack field already. So being realistic with my goals for this January is just try and enjoy the 100 miler as much as possible and if that's a thing um, but also you know there'll be an underlying expectation for myself to not be rubbish um, if I can get to the end of that 100 mile and be happy with my performance which probably isn't going to be related to a position more so uh, how I feel at the end of it um, I'll be happy I think uh, give me another year on that give me you know if I come back there's a soft plan for me possibly doing it the January after and using this one as a, as a mm. learn the trail and learn a bit about the race and, and get used to running hundred miles again. Uh, yeah. There'll be a, definitely be a competitive edge for me uh, uh, sometime. The, the last time I was properly competitive, I did a, a race up in, um, it was a 60 mile. I finished fourth and I had no right to be there. It's just on the day I decided that I wanted to run a bit and uh, yeah, finished, finished fourth on the day. So that's probably I've not done anything massively. So in that in that regard, there's no probably no expectation for me to do anything like a big race result. But I think people will expect me to do reasonably well just because I'm an RD of a race, and there's a, probably a certain expectation that comes with that. I reckon. Yeah, maybe. How do you think? How do you think I would do? Like, what would what would your expectation be of me? <laughs> That'd be interesting. I'd expect to you to uh, go out all guns blazing and then blow up about halfway and then <laughs> and struggle to the finish. That's what yeah. that would be. You're probably that's right. That's what I would be more proud of. <laughs> You're probably right. And... I don't want an evenly paced top ten. <laughs> yeah, and you can clip this and post it to me. <laughs> yeah, when when I when I spectacularly blow up at mile nineteen, you can you can uh, clip this, put it up on your social, and tag me in it, and then I'll be like, yeah, 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 he was right. <laughs> it's interesting though because it is like sometimes. I mean, I don't feel it, but you sometimes it is an expectation as a coach to be doing um things well i guess and as an rd of like a, mm. a a big company and like i've been to your race and seen you work as mm. as an rd yeah it's like there is expectation there um which i don't think is a bad thing because i kind of like use it as motivation yeah, think... a, a lot of the time and it's not that i think the expectation is to win but it is still to turn up and put in a good performance at least. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's quite interesting because I've been full circle with my running. I've got a lot more empathy for runners now. It'd probably make me a better coach because I've always had the attitude, if you don't want to run, then don't run, or I'm not going to coach you if you're not motivated. You know, that, that was always my stance in the past where now I have a bit more of a deeper understanding that, you know, there is more to life than running at times and, and things can get in the way. But um, so, yeah, I think I think there will be expectation that's just part and parcel of it you know if, if I want to be an RD in this in this world and I want to coach and I want to you know talk a game I suppose I've got to I've got to turn up in some regard to 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 perform so and and you know I quite I quite like that it's um it, there's there's going to be no more expectation on me that from other people than what I put on myself I think that's part of the reason why I also had time off is because I'm an absolute it's probably my biggest flaw as a runner is the pressure that I put on myself and the fact that I couldn't train and run and do what I wanted to at full whack. Um, that was a, that was a problem for me. And that's why things started to, to condense down. Yeah. So you've got the fifth, no, you've got the hundred K then the hundred miler. Do you think that is mainly because, you know, I know there isn't high, well, there's a certain amount of expectation, but sometimes I think we enter these races because you know what you'll need to have to do to do them will set you up for the for the coastal path. And if you don't do those, then you're not going to be able to handle the coastal path. Yeah, I think so. I feel like a bit of a fraud at the, at the minute because like this morning I've said I've, I've kind of shared my intention. I don't I don't tend to use my own personal social media too much, um, but this this morning I kind of shared my intention to, to go for a record on the Southwest Coast, but I feel like a complete fraud because I'm in no way near the right shape to warrant an attempt yet. But in order to get to that point, I need to be doing these kind of races and performing well as a marker for, for that. So the hundred K is, is, uh, the 100k is my race to blow up i think <laughs> i think that uh, knowing that i can uh, knowing i can do that and get all the stupid stuff out of my system then uh, not even i don't think i'll i'll be particularly quick or or perform too well but i can go at that race and hopefully make all the mistakes there uh with the idea that i can turn up to january in the 100 mile or a bit more humbled and and uh approach it. no one wants to just go cold turkey into a 100 mile race after not racing for <laughs> 4 years it would be a bit daft you'd be surprised at the emails i get mate (laughs) yeah um yeah i I think okay i'll I'll rephrase that with my with the expectation laid upon me i'm kind of setting down soft markers rather than just rocking up to a hundred miler and nose diving into a cliff (laughs) (laughs) um yeah okay so let's go back to beyond the ultimate because i want to speak about that a little bit uh how did that kick off were you in it from the start and um, yeah, just give us like the the history of Beyond the Ultimate, really. Well, that's got a, a mad origin story, really. I wasn't involved. I, I I used to own a gym. How I got into the RD side is I used to own a gym. I was coaching and strength working and, and, and running about a bit myself. And then I walked into a running store one day and I knew the owner quite well because I ended, ended up, you know, in my early running days spending a near fortune on kit through that place and as I walked through the door he pointed at me and went that's your guy and there was a chap in there called John who owned Beyond the Ultimate um, and they were a fa- they were basically had just been founded they'd been operational for months at the time and they'd had this concept there was there was two of them but one was a knew a fair bit about running 
and the other one was let's say the money the, the finances and stuff like that and they had a big fallout and, and one left and then it just left the guy without the real insight into the running industry on his own with a, a list of people to race in the jungle the following <laughs> month so he was in a bit of a pickle in this running store trying to get de- help desperately and I just happened to walk in uh, and the owner said yeah he's your boy and uh, I just I was at a time in my life where I was looking for something new anyway I kind of had a bit of um, a Stockholm syndrome in the in the gym where I was working mm-hmm. I was it's a lovely area but it was a very small mining town and you know it takes an hour to walk to the post office because you're catching up with everyone I just knew that I had to find something that kind of detached me from that so I looked at it as a sign I went and interviewed the next day I had no right to get the job I had no real ma- not massive amounts of organizing anything commercially or uh, to that scale they hired me uh and then yeah six weeks later i was in the peruvian jungle doing a race brief (laughs) um finding it hard to believe that i was there so uh yeah it was pretty mad we got through that and then i kind of just realized at that point yeah this is this is a this would be a good job um and then from there i uh i just we just slowly worked on things that you know, they wanted out, I wanted in, they wanted less commitment, I wanted more commitment. And then in 2020, uh, I, uh, we made it official that I became like the majority shareholder and, and kind of took the, the company on. And then a little thing called COVID happened later that month. So uh, things, things had to pivot quickly. But so yeah, it was it, with, with in, even though we've been operational for some time in my head, I still feel like we're a, mm. a new company. Um, but we're, we're not really, we've, we've existed for about seven or eight years now. We've been, we've been operating events for 12. So, uh, yeah, we are quite an old company now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it still very much feels fresh and new in my head. Cause we, I've only, I think in the last couple of years, only got it into the place where I could see it going. You know, we've got a full series now and we've got the additional races like Highland and, and Rangers and stuff like that. So yeah, we're. It's a fun job, and you, not all the time, but most yeah. of the time, it's a fun job. You're very careful with uh, not adding too much, I know. So you're not kind of spreading too thin, or you're not just adding races um, for, for, for any reason, really. There's a real ethos behind Beyond the Ultimate, I guess, and everything has to fit in with that. So that's what I want to know more about next, really. How do you go about... Well, how did the first couple of races come about and how how have you added to the series so far? It always tends to be circumstance, really. And and, and I, we get quite a lot of offers about where to go with races and things. The, the, the whole idea of the series was that it's environmental based. So, you know, the desert, ice, jungle, mountain. We just wanted to pick the most epic places we could and places that people can't go to on their own. You know, if you want to go race or run in the Amazon, um, that's going to take a lot of logistical time for you to, to do that. If you want to race out in the Arctic Circle, it's going to be really hard to do that. So we, we, every location to pass its kind of matrix test for us has to be really remote. It has to be really unique. It can't just be a set of mountains or just a desert in the middle of nowhere. There has to be something unique. That normally revolves around wildlife or, or uh, a unique story to the area as well. Um, and then once the series got in, uh, 
place. The Rangers was, again, one of those weird opportunity moments where something happened and I took it and looked at that as an opportunity. And the same with Highland. Highland was just on the back of um, meeting a chap called Nick Watson, who you've met, and he said, come and look at this place. And surprisingly, we found a place on our home shores that kind of met the criteria of our global stuff. So it's all been through circumstance, but we actually say no to a lot more than we say yes to. Um, so that's often sometimes hard because we've had some really good opportunities that, in fact, actually, I said no to one last week. I said no to a really good opportunity last week, but it's just we've, we've got to pick the right thing for us and not not settle for average, I suppose. Um, try and try and have these. If you want pinnacle high value events, you've got to you've got to talk the talk and walk the walk. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting interesting time for us now because um, we're we're not actively looking at adding any more races to our series. But obviously, of course, uh, in 2020 we merged with the Spine Race, so we're we're very very busy with both both companies at the minute. And how does that? Um... Because I know, again, it's not like you made a big fanfare about the spine race or anything like that, because it's obviously some kind of protected species, <laughs> the spine race. Uh, <laughs> if, yeah. if yeah. Without, um, yeah, without alienating the whole of the spine race, the, <laughs> were there things within the spine race that you could see, the obvious changes that you could improve it, basically? as an experience or... yeah the spine race is a funny one because yeah the the the, the spine race is a funny one because um we when when covid happened we knew that we needed a uk event and the talk with the spine race had been going on for quite a while about us kind of um coming on board and it was either that or the highland was our was our thinking pattern do we do we do the highland or this and um we ended up doing both anyway, just because, uh, you know, we, we saw, I, I, the spine made sense. We had largely the same teams. We worked together anyway, as organizations, the, they needed warehousing and, uh, kit like that. We had that, we needed UK equipment and stuff to provide a UK race. And they had that. So the, the, the merger was almost like a, a perfect marriage. The, the one thing that was we found really tough, or I found really tough in particular, was that obviously the spine was already an institution of a race. So you can't just, we were very aware that you just couldn't move in and start changing the furniture. Mm. You, can't, you can't just come into someone's house and do all that. And it's very much owned by, even though it could be owned physically by someone, <laughs> there's, a, there's a big ownership of the spine community or the spine family, as they call it. So we were very conscious and we just sat for a while we just sat with we, we got the merger done and we 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 got the kind of business end of it done and then we just sat and watched and learned and observed and just and to be fair 90 percent of that event is is amazing or was amazing or to like we it doesn't need changing it but what's happened to the spine race is it's logistically become this whole new beast mm -hmm. and uh even like it's become this whole new thing and the logistics are are catching up with it and it happens with every growing organization it gets bigger and then you have to recruit and and and, and fill the backspace almost to make sure that you you're ready to deal with it and that's that's exactly what's happened with the spine but yeah it's been hard because um everything's a bit of a it's more of a democracy than a dictatorship 
is probably the best way to describe it. You, you have to go through multiple channels to make changes, consider a lot of things, and it's a very complex race. So any small changes can have massive repercussions. So, um, yeah, no, but, but I love it, though. It's, it's a, such, a, such a cool race, such a... I'm, I'm such um, so privileged to be part of that team. I think it, it's so cool just to watch it unfold every year and it be part of the ultra running calendar. And, and my dream as an RD was always to have owned some of the biggest races in the world. And the spine is that, isn't it? It's one of the biggest, if if not the biggest on UK shores. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's huge. And um, so the, there was, what was the extra race added? Challenger North? Or was it the South? Yeah, so we check we the first the first edition is was the sprint and then we made the yeah so that they they had the full race and the challenger south That's and right. then we've since our tenure yeah the sprint came in and the challenger north so that's always been things that, that they've wanted to do mm-hmm. they weren't ideas that we uh, created they, they just wanted to do it's just that we allowed the mechanism for them to happen um, so the sprint. Uh, which has become a race in its own right is is a great uh, stop. It's a, it's a great first step for people. Going straight into a 109 mile race was was quite tough for some, and, and we thought the sprint is a great step for those that want to try and, and build up rather than jumping straight into the Challenger. And then the Challenger North is you know is arguably one of the even though both sections are tough, the northern part for navigation and all that kind of stuff when you're tired is is challenging. So we opened up the, the Challenger North for, for that reason as well. So it just made the event safer on the whole that people could do these almost like hard reckeys for the big thing. Um, but then what's happened is they've all spiraled off into their own events now and become races in their own right. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's it's interesting. And, and it just makes those that first weekend of any spine race is chaos because you've got like sprint winners winning and Challenger South people blowing up everywhere and, and you know it's, it's always good drama because you've just got this all the time you've got these races within races going on um but yeah there's no there's no appetite at all for the spine to kind of grow into new events on on uk shores although there are races coming internationally so that's uh, that's going to be announced very soon good and um, would you uh, race the spine the full spine I I would have loved that would definitely be a race I'd do if I if I wasn't part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um I ran I ran my desert race back when I was back in 2019 when I was training 
Kimball for an RD role. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of the clips of you severely hydrated. <laughs> it looked. <laughs> um, and you know what? I, I love that race because it's like, it, it, it's just a great area and a great race. It's a racer's race, that one, for multi-days. Um, uh, but I just couldn't fully enjoy it. I couldn't fully enjoy it because you can't switch off. You're looking around at stuff. And, you know, there was a day, there was a day I decided to race properly and I was racing against what is, is a punter of mine and um, you just can't enjoy that moment <laughs> as much when you race and, and get the result because you feel a bit like a tit so I, I spent the rest of the week after that just kind of milling around the middle of the pack or helping people out that needed it and uh, and stuff and um, not to make myself sound like I was slamming it I was definitely struggling on that event as well um but yeah I, I just wouldn't enter which is another reason why I've gone for the arc it's it's just an event that I would do and it's it's completely detached from anything I own which allows me to enjoy it as a punter rather than uh an RD I suppose yeah <laughs> um coaching wise and stuff because I know uh you do a bit of coaching what are the kind of people that you're coaching at the moment, or if at all, or is it more the adventure racing? Is it the multi-days? Is it a wide range of people? Or who do you enjoy coaching? I I haven't coached for a long time properly now. I, I did a bit in COVID just to, just to kind of meet some end meet in the early days when we weren't delivering events. It's always a skill that I fall back on. But I think, like, you'll probably find this, Gary, that, you know, when you're running as a runner or trying to be like the best runner you can and coaching is quite tough because where do you kind of fragment your time and coaching takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, especially it depends what type of client base you have, but sometimes, you know, they can be quite, if you're, if you're making yourself available to them and stuff. So I decided that if I can't offer a, a, a good coaching service, then I won't offer one at all. So I've not been coaching for a while, but I still consider like there's still a, an itch to scratch there. I, I still like coaching. I still like helping people. So what we have at BTU is like an RD service where people can call me up and I don't program for them, but I'll say, what are you doing? Look at it and go, right, maybe you want to consider this and here's some stuff and here's a video and here's some whatever. But the actual hard coaching I don't do anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I, I started off in a strength coaching background. So I used to do a lot of strength coaching um, and then transitioned into endurance stuff probably about four or five years into that. So I've got a, a, where most run coaches, I think, come from a running background. I started in a strength coaching background and then changed it to running. So I've probably got uh, a different way of working, I suppose, than what most running coaches would do with strength. But yeah, so not coach anymore, but I do enjoy it. And the people that I do enjoy the most is anyone that's just receptive to learning and um, you'll probably find this as well, that it kind of comes with a natural level of discipline. You don't mind motivating people. You don't mind kind of showing them the ropes, but um, it becomes a lot harder as a, as a coach, I think, when you also have to basically tie laces and, and, and help them mm. out the door. That That's when I particularly lost patience. I didn't have a lot of time for that as a coach. I think I would probably do now if I started coaching again, because I, I understand that a bit more. But um, definitely a few years ago, I, I probably didn't have the patience for that kind of person and just enjoyed people that would do their program regularly without any intervention. They were the best. <laughs> but back when I was coaching, online coaching wasn't really a thing. 
That's, that's, that's another think... thing. Yeah, it makes me sound really old. But uh, online coaching wasn't really a thing. It was more face-to-face. or It was like it was just really time-consuming. It was phone calls and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit different. I think, um, yeah, like you know, like the landscape has changed so much. Like when I, you're right, when I started doing it, I didn't fully understand how it could be a career as an online coach. I only knew like one of our friends, Robbie, that was Robbie Britton, that was doing it properly, that I could see could make it work. Um, so yeah, and, and anyone that came to me for coaching then, was, like you say, didn't need hand-holding. They were, they were really motivated. They just needed the guidance and maybe some education. And, and just, it was, they were the only people that seemed to want or come to coaching, whereas now, yeah, you could have someone that wants to run twice a week and needs pushing at the door kind of thing. And it's you either have to have a conversation with them, with yourself. Yeah. And there is a good middle ground because I'm good at, I think I'm, I enjoy the coaching side of thing of getting to understand what's stopping them maybe because I'm quite good at filtering out the people that just need a cheerleader. And I think there are just cheerleading coaches out there. Yeah, that will just tell them everything's great or if they have a week off, everything's great kind of thing. I don't think you need to be a cheerleader as a coach. But at the same time, yes, um, as I've got a bit older and coaching, like, like you said, there's lots of coaches out there. It's your coaching style has to match them to a certain extent. I still haven't got time for the people that are not going to get out so. at all kind of thing. And just so that they can say they've got a coach. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to coach someone that doesn't run, right? Mm. Uh, it, it's kind of hard for you to coach them if you're programming them and they're not they're not doing it. So the the first the first thing is you know someone's got to kind of do some version of what you're suggesting. But I, I think that's where um, community comes in, and you seem to have a great one with your guys. Is that if if the community can rely on each other for motivation, mm. and you're at the you know kind of top of that, providing the structure then then you've got a good coaching system and and multiple coaches within a system works and helps but i think if you and, and that's where i i never went all in on coaching enough to to get that i always had a number of people where it was just direct response to me and direct response back where if you can get to that point where you've got community that power of the pack then that's probably more powerful than a coach telling you to come on get out the door and all that kind of thing because a coach can show empathy, but ultimately it's got to come from the person or the people that are training. And um, I think, yeah, that's the that's the difference. So you're you're probably at this nice spot now where you've got a nice community of runners under your kind of stewardship who help each other out. I, I'm not part of any kind of Facebook groups, but I imagine there's a there's a nice little thing there. And and that once you've got that, not to devalue you, Gary, but that is a really valuable service that you've built. And then you come in to kind of mop up the goods, I suppose. You you kind of fill the gaps and, and make sure they're getting the results off the back of that. So, yeah, I think I think that's what I've learned now. So if I was to kind of hit a reset button on coaching, that's what I'd do. But I'd, you, ju- you just can't coach, run, RD, be a dad. I, I, you no. know, I, don't, I don't know. I had to move. I had to move from, um, you know, had to move out of one bucket basically that Claire described my partner describes it as that is you can't you can't have a bu- bucket full of water for each one you've got to take from each one so my idea at the minute was to focus on the running my business primarily and then I'm just starting to get a bit of time back to to focus on running for myself so yeah I'm excited for the next couple of years and 
um, hopefully I can put what all the stuff I've learned and try and coach myself, which is probably going to be my hardest client. Because <laughs> I, I am awkward to work with. So uh, coaching, coaching myself is going to be pretty tough. <laughs> Have you wrote yourself a plan? Or are, you, um, or are you not at that stage yet? I'm at that. I'm at that point where I've got the habit that there was no point in writing myself a plan because I wasn't even getting the basics right. Mm. So I've just got the basics right. I'm running for three to six hours a week. I'm rowing as well, which um, I'm enjoying. So that's that's been quite good. I'm at that point now where my body is not ready for the volume, but my mind is. So I'm just slowly, which is great. It's a great place to be in. I'm just slowly taking the volume up now. So. Um, I seem to get a good window of training in and then I go away for work for a, a couple of weeks and then I, I don't get to run as much. So the idea is now that I'll probably do another block, wait until about March, April time, and then I will start properly programming for myself. Um, and yeah, that will hopefully get me through till August where where my first race is going to let me know whether that tr that program was good, good or not. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I also might rely I might rely on you, you or, or Robbie or, or some other coaches to they always say every coach needs a coach right so they uh, do I think it you, you'll never write the, the best program for yeah, yourself I think it goes in in phases I think I've I really valued having a coach for five or six years and then I've not had a coach for the past 18 months but it's it's like you say it's just it was a point where I was having to crowbar the sessions in it wasn't that the plan wasn't a great plan or the sessions weren't great it was more I just want to go and run with friends in the mountains say or I've got the kids at an age where they're just yeah. doing school clubs and things so yeah it's just and and again once you've been coached for X amount of time you've got X amount of knowledge you kind of know where you need to be at for certain things um, yeah and then you have like a good I've got quite a good kind of peer system around me that I can lean on a little bit if I need advice and that kind of gets you through. And there might be another time, like if I was going to try and train for my best ever marathon, I'd probably go back to another coach because I think I would need it for that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would, I would agree with you on that. If I was going for like a 10 K anything marathon and below time, I'd, I'd use a coach because there's no way I don't enjoy that type yeah. of training as much. I did one last night, actually. I did a, I did a, you know, five times 500s and all that kind of club running stuff. And I don't, I don't enjoy it. I'm just doing it at the minute because I'm aware that that's a quick way for me to get results now while, you know, the volume's not there. Um, but yeah, I, if it was that type of training, I'm not motivated by minute miles and all that kind of stuff. So I'd have to, I would have to bring myself a coach on board if I wanted to do that. Um, for me, the, the best thing for programming for me personally, and, and maybe some of your um, clients uh, can relate to it is just the one that offers the most flexibility uh, if, if I have a beautifully written program for me it could be layered out macros per day pace for this all these kind of wonderful sessions it's almost pointless when I've got a toddler that's being picked up from nursery because she's too ill today or whatever like that it, it just kind of I can't plan for that stuff so my my program there's a good chance that most of my program for this year will be like run for six hours in a low steady heart rate and then try and do half an hour of the heavier stuff mm. and 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 float around that until you can get some more and then maybe add some metrics in like measure your meterage of climb 
if you can get to like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 meters of climbing a week, happy days. And, and just, it sounds incredibly simple, but for me that will work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I get very close to the event, then I'll start thinking about, you know, specific event training. But there is, there's no point in going too specific if I'm not, if I haven't got the base mileage in. Um, and, you know, that, that's, if I'm honest, that's the stuff I enjoy. I, I enjoy the kind of, I struggle the loop running, you know, just going out for an hour, looping around and finishing back at your house. Mm. I, I, I much prefer when I do the longer stuff, like when, when I get back to doing the longer stuff, I'll get a train to Weymouth, which is about an hour away on a train and run home and like run walking the hill because it's a point to point. It, there's a sense to it. Yeah. If you said to me, go out for a 25 mile circular route outside my house, I'd really struggle. So try, I try and turn like the long training runs into adventures. And that's what a lot of my training will be. It's what, if I'm, if I'm going to do the Southwest coast path, any justice, I've just got to get as much climbing in and long days. It's, there's no, there's no hack to that. That's what I've got to do. So um, I'm just going to build up slowly and, and try and build that volume up. So I don't end up with any niggles or injuries. I feel older now. <laughs> I feel older than I, when I last run, like things are, my recovery is a little bit slower and it is because I'm, I'm nowhere near as fit, but I'm, I'm having to be a bit careful mm. that there's this inner child in me that wants to just go and run 60 mile weeks. And if I do that, I'm going to blow my back up or, or whatever. Yeah. I had a, I had a calf strain a few yeah. weeks ago. I'll sit and suck my Werther's originals. Yeah. It's definitely an, yeah. Did you? I, and I've, well, it's because you're old. Exactly. Now, I've never had one. No. I don't think I've ever had one. Give up. And I went to the physio <laughs> and he said, how old are you again, Gary? I said, I said 39. He goes, yeah. A year either side of 40 is when you start getting them. Yeah. 40 this year. Oh, you give me hope, mate. You give me hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you give me hope. Yeah. I've still got plenty of time. I'm a spring chicken. Exactly. So, but how much did, um, <laughs> <laughs> how much did becoming a dad change things in a, in a, I imagine in a positive way? Yeah. I mean, we, we had a particular journey to have, uh, Ari, you know, we went through IVF and stuff and it was a particular, it was a long time to get her. So it definitely, I was definitely focused on making the most of it once she arrived and still am. But, uh, it definitely, the biggest change for me was my gene size. I think, <laughs> um, I, I used to run and race at around about 70, 75 kilo, uh, was my kind of, that was what my walking weight would be. Like if someone says, what do you weigh? 75 kilo. I'd go up a bit. I'd go down a bit. It, that's where I was. I am now, as you record this with me, 86. And that feels fundamentally different when you run. 86 feels massively different to 75. So that's another yeah. thing that I've got to factor in is that I'm a lot bigger at the minute until that, until that weight comes and down. And you're five foot two, aren't you? <laughs> 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 I'm uh, I'm not that short. I'm not that short. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm 64 kilos, and before 30, I was 60. So it does creep up. Well, no, 61 maybe. Yeah, yeah. The um. Yeah, see, I don't think I would ever be that. I'd, no. I'd, if I was 64 kilo at six foot, I would, I would, I would look. Yeah. Very <laughs> you don't want to be that um, at six foot. I wasn't even, I wasn't even that when I, in, in 2000 and I don't know when it was, I think it was like 2015, I ran and cycled the coastline of the UK mm. and I was either, uh, I either ran a marathon or cycled a hundred mile day after day for a month. And I came back and I wasn't below 75 kilos. So if that can't get me 
to below 70, I've got no chance in hell of getting there. So I, I know that 74, 75 kilos is probably what I will be or what, what I'd like to be stood on the start line in January, albeit what my Christmas is like might depend on that. But um, uh, yeah, I definitely won't be 86 because that is not conducive to running up hills mm. is what I've found. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a huge difference. Um, how, how many times a year do you have to go away? with work with these events four I'm away I'm five? out of the country for about six months of the year yeah six six and have you done a full year of that so, yet uh, because we've been doing double uh yeah yeah so I did six months of the work the year away last year which was quite tough mm. um and then uh, I'm away for six months this year um I'm including total time out of the house, like even the spine race I'm counting that where I might yeah. be up north for, for two weeks. But um, yeah, I'm I'm away for about six months of the year. And, and Ari's getting to an age now where she knows I'm away. Mm. So what we're trying to do is, is grow the team at Beyond the Ultimate Spine. That I'm not at everyone, which is why Kimball is coming on board. I don't know if you've heard about him, but he's a pretty good runner. Um, and then, yeah, there's there's a lot more people coming into the team that can help with that kind of stuff, which means that maybe uh, I took my first step back from a Beyond the Ultimate race in November. I wasn't, I didn't go to the desert. That was the first one. Mm. And the plan is that at least one or two a year is what I'll back up on. Yeah, I think you've got to have that. Otherwise, three or four years time, it will, you'll you'll need it definitely. <laughs> like I can't go away. I can't go away for a weekend yeah, without do. tears and tantrums and and it's fine once i've actually gone actually and i've come back with a present but like i say like before that i was away for racing all the time or training with people all around the country whereas now it's like okay i have to plan in the fact that <laughs> when was the last time i left like, it's my daughter really for one night <laughs> the lad doesn't care to be honest <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well i think i think for me it's more that i i missed her first steps yeah i was in sweden when she did her first steps um and you can be so connected now anyway so i got a video like pretty much as it happened and when it happened it's nowhere near the same but like my my thinking now is how can i structure the business to a point where i don't miss first sports day yeah you know first whatever and and so that's my motivation now is like not to kind of I'll always want to be away on these events. It's what I love and what I do. But um, And one day I look forward to the day that I take her mm. on these things. But it, my main priority at the minute is how do I get my business into a position where I can make sure that I don't miss important stuff, especially because we're looking at planning on, you know, baby number two in the next year or so. And, and then it all begins again. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. Every, every business person or everyone that owns a business is going through the same thing mm. right it's just with a part and parcel of my job is i end up being being out of the house and it's a cool thing to be able to tell your kids that you know you go off exploring and doing this adventure stuff but um i don't think she will care when she's three or four she'll just want me there yeah is what i'm thinking is this is the stage that we're going into now with her is that she's going to be three or four and she won't care that i've got this cool job she'll just actually be more bothered that i'm not there to see ballet or or drop her off so yeah it's it's tough it's tough, but um, it's uh, just part and parcel of the job at the minute, and uh, we'll, we'll work our way around it. And then she'll probably chill out when she's 18 and she's jumping out of helicopters and, and all that kind of stuff <laughs> with her dad. Yeah, when she's the RD and you're sat at home with your pipe. <laughs> That's all it's for, it's just training her up. Yeah, she, well, she might be like her mum. Her mum is not the 
the outdoorsy kind of person. Her mum famously said that she loves the outdoors but hates it when it touches her. Um, <laughs> so she might be like that and not come on these kind of gigs with me. <laughs> but she she might also be like me and just get straight straight involved and sleep on floors and, and all that kind of jazz. Who knows? Yeah, or in marquees. Yeah. <laughs> or in marquees. Yeah, well, that was a rough night, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't keep you much longer, but you've got we, well, we've both got Noid Art coming out because I'm going to take part this year. Um, mm. Because it's a UK race, uh, do you find that it has a different feel, or what should people expect from the Highland Ultra with Beyond the Ultimate? Because um, there might be people that look at Beyond the Ultimate and maybe not have the opportunity to get out to some of the ones further afield but Highland Ultra what is it three days I think and it's on UK soil so what is the difference maybe I think I think the if you've done multi-days in the past it's a good step back if you're looking at stepping back from you know five day races are a lot of time commitment aren't they so if you've done things like the MDS and all that kind of stuff, we're finding that actually we set this up as a as a pre-event to our bigger stuff and people can come and see what we're about and all that kind of stuff. But actually, we're finding a lot of people are coming backwards as well. Mm. Um, so if you've done multi-days and you're thinking, you know what, I don't I, I haven't got the finances or the time to commit to a five day, then this is a good gnarly little event that will will test you and give you all the kind of stuff that you get out of the five days and the three. If you haven't done anything like this before and you you kind of iron up the big stuff like a big kind of glitz and glamour event, then this is probably as as much as you're going to get a, a taste of what we do here on British soil. So if you're listening as a Brit, Noidart is, uh, as you'll probably found as well, it, it, it's obviously part of the British mainland, but it, is, it almost doesn't feel like it, does it? Mm. It feels like it's detached from everywhere. And it's, it's one of the last kind of places in this country where, you know, you haven't got phone signal and, and all that kind of stuff. So you can detach. There's a value to that. Um, but the, the thing is, with it, um, you, are, you are on UK soil so you you still have the you know on our big on our big stuff you haven't got the nhs that is there as a safety net and all that kind of stuff so it's probably the most uh adventurous thing you can do i would say on uk soil um over three days and and, and it's achievable for anyone but it is a it is a quite a challenging area you know you think of the lake district think of snowdonia and just add like a, a just dial it up a tiny bit more in terms of the way that the, the kind of place looks and feels with weather um and and you're about there i think i think that's probably the best so if you've been if you've walked up scuffell or you've walked up mount snowden and or ben nevis and all that kind of stuff you'll know what a hill feels like and what terrain feels like underfoot just literally dial the adventure dial up a tiny bit more and you can have 20 different weather systems in a day it's probably <laughs> the biggest obstacle of Noidart, and 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 the the year that you came first, we had a bit of everything, didn't we? We had like nice days and and monolithic rains the final day, but that the last year we we did it, we had three days of amazing sunshine. I came back with a tan, mm. which will never happen again, I don't think. But um, it is it's a mad place. It, it's a it's a coastal it's a coastal mountainous region, so it comes with sea breezes and high winds and differences in temperature from you know bottom to the top of those munros you can literally see chaotic weather with your eye while it's nice and calm below so yeah it's a pretty pretty special place 
think as soon as you step on on a boat to get to an event you start to feel because i remember thinking well because i've been to malag before and it's that feels like you're at the end of scotland kind of thing but to get on a boat and to go to go again you as soon as you land you feel you do feel detached and it's a little bit like you say you, you can go around in the lake district and have some lovely runs and hills but you always drop down into a village or a town even the majority of the time once you go up to mm. scotland it kicks up another level you can be lost for <laughs> well, days if you wanted to be but yeah Neudart, that kind of yeah. journey going up yeah, that way coast. it is it's like a it, I think because it's coastal as well, it gives it an, another extra edge. Yeah, and I think it, you know it's one of those things that people can look at our races, uh, and I think they probably do. They look at our races, they see a price tag on it, and they go, "Oof, that's steep." But then you've got to you've got to pair with that the with all the stuff that goes back to the community, and 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 when you're looking at responsible ecotourism like we do, where everything goes back into the area and you're recruiting locally and hiring locally and all that kind of stuff. It comes with the price. So what you get is you do get a slight, there's no hiding about it. You know, our races do have a slightly higher price tag than most, but you are doing it responsibly. You are traveling and racing responsibly with carbon offsetting and, and, and all of the lovely things. And we're probably not as good as we could be as an organization at touting about how much stuff we do do. Um, but, um, that that's probably the main difference with this area this is an area which it can live off grid completely it's a community of 100 people that owns the land that it lives on and is a, a a shining light of how we could live in another world if 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 the political parties and the you know if we didn't end up with the democracy that we have now in this world it could quite easily be little pockets of 100 at a time and they have their own power they have their own sustainable food projects. They have their own employment locally. They have a wood noid art, which we use, and all these kind of revenue streams to keep the peninsula alive and active. It's just a, a really remarkable place. I don't, I don't think, or I'm not aware of any other place like that in Europe, never mind. I probably There might be some odd little places like that across Africa and sub-Saharan Africa and, and South America, but... Uh, I can't think of anywhere across the Americas and, and stuff like that, that that works like Noidart does. It's a pretty spectacular place. Yeah, and you get that sense. Although I didn't race it, I was obviously at that event, and because you get to hear from the chief local, tent yeah, chief tent carrier. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I, that's kind of. I've never seen. I've never seen someone run so many miles carrying two tents. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> most people have wrapped up FKTs for now, but I've got the FKT for a tent across Noidart. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt no doubt in my mind have you got the fkt for tent carrying there's no one on this planet that has carried a tent further and faster than you have no, not only that it. to get it to the finish <laughs> only to find out that they already had enough tents <laughs> yeah that was that's one of those classic things that always always happens logistically as you over uh, that was an over plan of like i don't think we've got enough tents and we, so we move some tents up the course by hand with gary and nope, we had enough tents. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because like, I'm usually <laughs> in... The, it was funny exercise. because you have... Like, I, I know other race directors and I've sat in on races and things. And it's 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 always funny to see from the outside. It's like those little things. It's like... And that's what it takes almost. I think, oh, my, Gary, can you take this tent to checkpoint whatever by hand? But as a racer, you don't see any of that. <laughs> you don't experience any of that. And it's... That, yeah, it's quite good fun. No, 
and and that that one logistically is tough you know it's actually mm. really tough everything has to go over on a boat and back on a boat and round by a boat and it's all timing like cat i don't know how she does it my brain doesn't work that way but her brain is like a spreadsheet and she can manage boat trips and times and and all that kind of stuff so everyone if you ever for any aspiring rds out there find a cat that's all you have to do find a cat martin and they will make your world a lot easier is uh, is what you have to do she is an incredible human being if it's okay i'm going to catch up with you later in your training so this can be some more of your accountability to see how it's going for mainly the southwest coastal path but yeah we'll catch up later in the year if that's okay mate okay have you just become my coach gary house <laughs> no no i said i'm not a cheerleader <laughs> 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 okay well great i will i will uh <laughs> i appreciate the accountability buddy which is obviously a very important coaching tool i will check in with you no doubt soon and uh, hopefully the the next time you physically see me i'll i'll be less human i should be i should there should be less of me so uh, well, i'm going to see you in a few weeks Anna. accountable measure <laughs> chris king um race organizer where can we find i guess your stuff is beyond the ultimate is it where can we direct people to yeah, so Beyond the Ultimate is the best, uh, the best site or best place to see what I do on a day-to-day basis. I've got my own Insta stuff and, and, and Facebook channels, but just I'm with a, I'm Chris with a K, spelt wrong, so K-R-I-S. Um, I'm sure they'll be linked in bios and stuff, but yeah, I'd just be happy to speak to anyone that wants to chat and find out a bit more, and, and uh, I'll, I'll refer you back to Gary with coaching tips and cues because he's far more knowledgeable than I am. Good stuff, mate. And um, yes, I will see you in Neudart then. Or maybe before that. <laughs> see you in a few weeks, mate. Cheers. Thank you, Chris. See you in a few weeks. Get ready. It's going to be ace. Well, cheers, mate. See you later, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.